I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other. And he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5. That'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Hey guys, I'm going to take a second and tell you all about First Line Fire Service Training. It's a badass page on Facebook. I encourage every single one of you to go and follow them. Dennis is a retired fire chief. He's been a huge supporter of our show for since the very beginning. He's believed in Third Alarm Cowboys and our mission of making firefighters better. Dennis also has the same mission of being able to train firefighters, make them better. He's using all of his years of experience of 20 plus years, plus his military background to offer training ideas. He travels all around the country, speaking at different conferences, trying to help guys get better when it comes to their tactical ability, when it comes to their physical ability and everything in between. He's really pushing things to the limits, especially for an older guy that's retired. He's still getting up every single day putting his gear on, going out in the driveway, doing crazy-ass workouts that most of us couldn't even handle. He's still getting out there getting it done. He also does a weekly training video on first-line fire service training, offering up when every type of uh, tactical and operational skills that he's learned throughout his career through working from other people. One thing that's really impressive to me about Dennis is that he – owns the fact that most of the things that he has learned and sharing are things that he learned from other people and he's just passing that on. That's something that he and I have in common. He's taking all the information he took from his career and sharing it on to the next generation to make the next generation solid and better firefighters. That's a great mentality to have. He's the kind of guy that people should be listening to when it comes to learning about what to do in the fire service with their career, with their tactics, and with their operations. So y'all go check them out on Facebook, First Line Fire Service Training, LLC. Send Dennis a message that you heard about his business from our show. If you're putting on any kind of training conference, Dennis is the guy that you need to contact. Get him in the door and let him share his knowledge to make the people in your area that are attending the conference better. And just know that... I support his business and he supports mine. And that's the kind of people that we need in the fire service to make us all better and stronger. Dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is a podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, stuff in your station like leadership, promotions, stuff in your personal life like finances, relationships, you name it, we talk about it. Even some things may be a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. 
All right, guys, I got to be honest with y'all. I'm over here nerding the fuck out. As you all know, uh, starting this podcast, I am not very tech savvy at all whatsoever. So this has been a huge learning curve for me over the last almost year that uh, this show has been going and everything. And I just now found out that whenever I have the Bluetooth uh, turned on on the on the recorder system, the receiver, and I play my music, it comes through the headphones. So I've been straight nerding the fuck out over here. I meant to start this show about 20 minutes ago, but uh, I've just been listening to music through the headphones, making me feel like a damn DJ and shit. So it's pretty cool. Uh <laughs> It's just making me laugh, and uh, uh, I've also, it was funny too, of the playlist I've been listening to, The uh, there's a video that came out, it's gone like hella viral all over social media and stuff, I just thought it was really cool, but it's the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer is doing some series and stuff where he's going in and basically getting thrown uh, songs that he has no idea what's coming at him. He has to listen to it for a little bit, and then he just picks up. They cut the drums out, and he picks it up and starts playing it. And he played the um, uh, the kill was the big video because that's a completely different genre. He's more into like hardcore rock, and then that's more of like a uh, early two thousands alternative rock emo type thing. And and he just fucking completely destroyed it. I mean, it was it was badass. To watch a guy that's so good at playing the drums that you know he listens to it for 30 seconds and then he picks it up as soon as he figures out exactly what the beat is and what they're doing boom he just fucking nails it so much so that then another video came out that was the guys from 30 seconds to mars and they're uh doing the little cameo with it and they're listening to him and then they start singing it while he's playing the drum it just it was fucking cool and i nerded out on it i'm not gonna lie you know whenever i was in high school uh, that was some of the music that I listened to, and uh, most looking at the analytics on the show, it's kind of cool because we do have a lot of guys. I would say the majority of the um, the audience of this show are people that are remotely close to my age, which would be in their you know mid to early thirties. But all in all, I'd say from about twenty five to about uh, forty four is the the main demographic of this show and so most of y'all probably listen to that music as well uh we all kind of go through that phase where we're listening to a whole bunch of different stuff something that i've always i've always loved music people will look at me and they see country boy you know that grew up in the woods deep east texas all this shit and yes i listen to, to country music absolutely that's my favorite that's what i listen to texas country is my thing i like old school country uh, but what people don't know, one thing that's kind of a deal about me is in high school and then in my early um, 20s and stuff, I was all about rap. Um, of course, still love country, dress country, country boy to the core, driving four-wheel drive truck and all that stuff. But guys actually kind of knew me, but I was that white boy that could rap. And then... Uh, I knew just all the popular songs. I could hit every damn word of the shit, and it was kind of funny. My my buddies and shit would make fun of me. Some of them would make uh, ringtones, like when I would call them back in the day when we had to record our own ringtones for uh, for our phones. They would record a damn rap song that I liked, and so when I'd call them, it'd be a rap song going off, and it's just kind of funny. But another aspect is I was actually, surprisingly, I really liked a lot of rock. Hardcore rock. I listened to a lot of screamo shit, especially early in my fire service career. That was kind of the popular thing, especially when we're freaking middle of the night, um, going to a med call. We turn on some damn screamo and just go fucking retarded, headed to the call. Or when we're working out, that's what we're listening to. So I, just a uh, pretty much, I'd say basically the only kind of music that I don't like would be like opera. 
Other than that, love blues, love um, rock, old school rock, new rock, screamo rock, love country, except for the new country. I fucking can't stand whatever the hell Nashville is doing right now. That's a totally different story. I don't even consider that country. That's like pop bullshit for 13-year-old girls. But, um, you know, old school country, Texas country. And, uh, and I still like a lot of the older rap. New rap, eh, I think they all talk about the same old thing. They're talking about, you know, asses and titties and whatever. That's not my thing. I like old school gangster rap. So uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting over here nerding out and listening to it through the headphones on this. And I just, I was kind of laughing and giggling. So it took me a minute to actually fire up and start recording this show. But um, guys, welcome back. Uh, I'm hitting y'all with two this week. Um, Really just kind of luck of the draw. Lance, I got to be at my part-time tomorrow, so I was sitting here at the house tonight. My wife was at work. I got to get up super early in the morning to go to my part-time, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on here. I've been saying for a while that I wanted to bump up the the frequency on the on the shows. I would like to get to the point where I'm doing at least two a week. So I was like, hey, fuck it. Why not? Tonight's the night. So I figured I would jump on here, just kind of throw y'all a little bit of uh, what's been on my mind lately, what I've been really thinking about, and something that I kind of had a little bit of epiphany about yesterday when I was actually on shift and I was talking to my uh, the senior firefighter that was on uh, that's on my crew you know he's he's uh basically my mentor with my new department and everything and and just on a side note thank you all for all the messages that you've been sending me give me words of encouragement um the messages that i've been getting from y'all where you know you're asking me how how's the new job everything going good you like it just all those different things i cannot even tell y'all how much that means that y'all take time out of your day to even give a shit about how my new job is going that's that's pretty remarkable and another aspect of that some of you guys i've been getting uh messages from here lately new listeners that have said that you know they've only been listening for a couple of weeks but they love the show that it's fired them up they've started listening to it on their way to work so some of the message i got have actually made some guys make some career moves uh one of the guys was telling me that listening to the show actually encouraged him to uh, go ahead and, and sign up to take a promotional test. Another guy that messaged me said that um, some of the things that he has learned and listened to on this show has encouraged him to get out of his comfort zone of the department that he was at, where he was kind of stagnant, wasn't necessarily happy, and he's actually put in and got hired at a bigger career department that has a lot more opportunities. And basically, he just needed a little kick in the ass and a little encouragement to go and make that move, get out of his comfort zone, and get out there and actually chase what he wanted out of his fire service career to begin with. So I think that that is really cool. I I don't exactly have words for the fact that this show has caused a difference like that. That's, That's remarkable to me. I just think that that's the coolest thing ever, the fact that all of you listeners out there care enough about what I've got going on and what I've got to say that it's truly making a difference in your lives. It's making a difference in the decisions that you're making with your careers and in your personal life. That means the world to me. That's, you know, when you when you start a show like this or you write a book or anything like that, you hope that just one person reads the shit. That's what you want. Just one person to read it, one person to buy it. And the fact that I get the countless messages from y'all, the emails, Facebook messages, all that stuff, and y'all are you know pouring your heart and soul out to me. You're telling me your stories. You're telling me what's going on. And 
all in all, this show seems to be making a difference in your life, makes you look at things different, makes you uh, consider, you know, making different choices in your life. That's really cool to me, guys. Um, I don't, I don't really have words for that, but just know that it's of a level of importance to me that y'all feel that way about this show and about the Third Alarm Cowboys and being a member of the tag team. Um, that's just super, super special. So thank all of you that have sent me those messages and everything. And just know, I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep putting out shows as best I can. Uh, I know all of you it's, have times that you're like, yo, what the fuck? We're waiting on a show, man. What's up? What's up? And, uh, you know, you bear with me. You understand I'm doing the same shit y'all are doing, trying to work, trying to, uh, you know, make a good name for myself at work and, and then also come home and, and do the family thing and also, you know, take care of the, the farm and the horses and the cows and all that stuff. We actually today went and loaded up and, um, had to haul a bunch of hay today trying to get ready for winter. We went and picked a bunch up and brought it to the house, got it unloaded, put up in the barn and all that stuff before my wife left to go to work. So just know, man, we're putting in the work and uh, and trying to balance it all and, and doing everything that we possibly can. And in the meantime, another huge shout-out to all of you that have ordered hats and shirts and just all that stuff. I sent out a massive fucking order of, of hats and shirts today and – the ladies at the post office were kind of laughing and they were like, damn, all right. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, it just, all of y'all have just, you have to understand that it's because of y'all that I'm able to do this show. Those of you that purchase hats, purchase the the shirts and stuff, that's what's keeping this this whole thing afloat. That's what I'm using, you know, to pay for all, all of this that it entails to be able to do this show for y'all and all the software and all that and, and the advancements that we're making, the growth that we're making in this show. It really is truly thanks to y'all. Um, the sponsors of this show have also played a huge part in this over the last several months. Uh, I couldn't do it without without all of y'all. Um, it's a, it's an amazing movement. This is a, an amazing thing that we have going, and the fact that it's steadily growing, steadily getting messages, and you know those of all of you that have been purchasing stuff, it just it just grows and grows and grows, and I can't, I, I really can't put it into words of how much all this has uh, kind of overwhelmed me on just the difference that we've been making. So thank you all, um, everybody, sponsors out there, any future sponsors that are out there. If this is something that y'all are interested in, just know this is a this is a movement. This is a, a team of Third Alarm Cowboys nationwide that really truly believe in what the fire service is actually supposed to be about, which is taking care of each other and taking care of the community. We're not in this shit for all of the political bullshit. Um, there's just countless of examples of the stories that i could tell y'all from the people that are truly out there that are repping our shit wearing our hats wearing our shirts and are actually making a huge difference in their communities and in their departments and that is phenomenal guys so thank you all for that without further ado man i'm gonna tell y'all what's been on my mind so Something that I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany of yesterday when I was actually on duty. My first night on shift, we got popped for a, uh, a hotel fire. Of course, it ended up not working out to be a hotel fire. We roll up. Of course, you could see, or my actually my EO and the captain in the front seats, they could see smoke. They're like, hey, we got something working. You know, we got a good column, blah, 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 blah. We roll up. It's a two-story hotel complex. 
pull in. You could see smoke coming from from the uh, the Charlie Delta corner, so we knew something was up. Long story short, on it ended up not being. There was some people literally right behind the hotel on the back fence behind the property that were burning a bunch of trash and shit and tires and stuff. So the column was pretty big and pretty nasty. It looked like it could be something. Smell the smoke and all this, that, and the other. Uh, but it ended up not being anything that that was fun for us um, as firefighters. But getting that all knocked out and stuff get back to the station do what we got to do get cleaned up and went took a shower and everything and then uh later on we uh actually the next day we were in uh in the gym and it was uh the senior firefighter myself we were sitting there talking and you know doing our workouts and everything and, and just basically we both uh we both have been really wanting to work out really wanting to um just get back in the routine and shit uh i'm pretty good about it on my days off being able to go to the gym but at work it's kind of hit and miss because as you know calls come and you get called by the chief you need to do this you need to do that you have your normal daily duties so our little uh routine of getting shit hammered out on duty there has kind of been jacked up for the last probably two shifts so we were back in the gym getting everything that we needed to get done done and and both got a pretty good little pump going and then we were sitting there talking while we were kind of kind of warming down and or cooling down and everything and uh i just had to be honest and and we were talking about just the the vibe that i got making that hotel fire that was the first fire in years that i was fucking psyched up for you know, of course, you. it's literally, I mean, everything in this district, y'all just have to understand, on, on anywhere in the Houston, Texas area, your in-route times are like two minutes. So, everything is super close. You have fire stations that are actually, you know, strategically placed. So, anytime you get popped for a fire, it's close. There's not any of this 12, 15-minute in-route times where you got time to fuck around and get dressed and talk about it and get your plan together and just all. There's none of that. It drops. You run out to the truck. You jump in the truck, and you're getting dressed as fast as you possibly fucking can, and as soon as you're dressed, you're there. I mean, you're pulling your gloves on, and it's time to get out of the truck and pull the line. That's just how it is anywhere in those areas, and, you know, as an officer... One thing that is an added effect of that is you also, amongst getting dressed, but you're also running through all the shit that you need to do as an officer. You know, you're punching your buttons on your MBT, checking a route, doing your radio traffic with your size up and all that shit, plus planning exactly what you need to do depending on the fire itself, on whether it is, if it's a commercial fire, if it's single-story residential. It's just all those different aspects uh, that, that come into mind. You're, you're playing a lot more in your head. Well... Some of the places I worked in the past, the priority was never on fighting fire. The priority was on policies and SOGs and bullshit. You, in your mind, as an officer, and, and like I told you know the other firefighter, I said, man, it's been so long since I fought a fire that I, in my mind, I was not having to second guess my actions against possible disciplinary actions. And he just, you know, he looked at me, he's like, you know, what do you mean, whatever, this, that, and the other. And I was like, man, the thing is, the place I worked before, literally, like, if your firefighter fucked up and you were the officer, 
you're getting suspended or terminated. The firefighters are getting suspended or terminated. Like it just and I and I don't even mean like like big shit, like get somebody killed. I'm talking about like doing a California roll through a damn stop sign. The EO and yourself, it's an automatic termination. And that adds just such a massive level of pressure because you're not going, this is not, you're not going to fucking Lowe's to buy some fucking tools. You're going to a fire. Fires can kill you. Fires kill community members. Fires destroy property. Fires are dangerous. So when you're adding this insane safety culture, policy-driven shit on top of an already insanely dangerous situation, the default is, because we are who we are as humans, we do worry about our future, we do worry about, about our fucking employment, and all that shit, those kind of policies and disciplinary actions hang over your head way more than the emergency itself actually does. On top of that, as a firefighter, I always had fucking fun. There was never a time that coming out of that station, fucking hauling ass down, sirens going, blowing through traffic, all the shit, you're seeing the cars, you're putting on your shit, that shit was it's always been fucking fun. Like, that is the coolest feeling in the world to know. Like, you look out the windshield, you see a good header, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, here we go, here we go. And that excitement, like, it's fun. That's why we do this job, right? I mean, I know, I know that normal people, normal citizens, that shit is scary. That shit is, is the worst thing that can happen. But for us, as far as that's what the fuck we do. I mean, it's what, that is what we fucking do. So, for us, it's like, fuck yeah. All right, here we go. And it's always been exciting. But, due to the climate and the fucking culture of some of the places that I worked, that excitement was killed because you had to worry about every fucking thing that you did having a disciplinary uh, action attached to it. You could save a hundred fucking babies, but if you violated one policy... You're suspended or terminated. And so after several years of that and me having to endure that, to, to put it quite frank, that feeling took away the joy. That feeling overshadowed the job. And I finally, working where I am now, now I'm not going to say it's every incident, I have had incidents over over this time period of my career where, yes, it was fun. Yes, you know, all that stuff. I enjoyed it. I enjoy making the runs and, and all that. However, making this shift, because I've already made several fires there, but this shift, I was like excited with no worries of getting in trouble. Like all that's going through my mind is I'm pulling up and I'm like, okay, I need to see where the fire's at to know which line to pull. I need to see if we got a courtyard. I need to see if I got to pull up a fucking staircase. I need to see if it's something I could put a, if it's we pull in the parking lot and it's it's a hotel room that's right there in front of the truck, pull a fucking cross lay, boom, 
knock that shit out, we're done. Or if I'm going to need to pull the apartment lay and hook in to the fucking high-rise pack and deploy the shit up the stairs. Like, I, I was thinking actually strategically and tactically rather than worried about any kind of disciplinary actions. And after thinking about that, it made me truly realize that some of these departments out there or a lot of these departments out there that are truly beating that shit into their guy's head to the point where they're not able to focus on operations because they're more worried about disciplinary actions, that's a fucking toxic level of fucking trauma that is going to take guys, like for me, it's going to take them years to be able to adjust from to actually get the joy of the job back. And, to be completely fucking honest, to get the operational capacity to do the job the way it was intended to be done. This job was meant, for, I'm sorry, you fucking bookworms and squeaky clean background motherfuckers, I'm sorry, you're going to fucking hate me for this shit. This job was intended for burly, ugly, hardworking fucking outlaws. Normal fucking highly educated motherfuckers did not want to be firefighters. It was not something that they wanted to do. This job was founded and supported and grown through fucking rough and rowdy motherfuckers. You look at the history of the fire service. You go to FDNY, go to Chicago Fire Department. All of these departments, Baltimore, that all of us, deep fucking Detroit, that those of us at this generation and a little bit older than us, we look up to those guys. Man, those guys were rough, tough, badass fucking dudes. That is who built the fire service. Not bookworms and fucking safety Nazis. Now, I will tell y'all, over the last 10-15 years, maybe a little bit longer than that, we have allowed, through this big push of education, 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 we have allowed for people with that mindset to basically advance through the ranks without truly ever being tested at the job. So now that's what we're dealing with as a bunch of fucking bosses. Now they're writing the policies. Now they're writing the safety culture. Now they're up there hobnobbing with the IFF and the fucking politicians and the fucking people in, in all these different states and getting the shit. And, and they're changing the fucking rules for us. But at the bottom line, down here, when that fucking hotel fire pops, they're not fucking there. They're not putting out the work and the sweat and the blood and the tears and everything else to handle that situation. They're just not. They never did it. They're not going to fucking do it. That's just part of it. So for me, it, it really slapped me in the face that the joy and the, the just the level of badass of this job has been robbed from me for the last several years of my career especially my years as a fucking officer, because I was overshadowed by, to just be totally honest, non-fucking firefighters. And I'm excited to say that 
That shit was fun to me again. The shit was like operations only on my mind. Not thinking about anything else. Not thinking about violating policies. Not thinking about disciplinary actions. Not thinking about any of that shit. I'm thinking about knocking this fucking fire down. Checking to see if I got fucking victims. Making sure that my captain has everything that he needs to do his job. Making sure that the, the EO doesn't need my help with it, with getting hooked up to a hydrant. Or actually for this fire, we didn't have a hydrant exactly close. So we pulled a tanker. So... You know, making sure, like, I'm thinking about all those different things instead of fucking policies. And my question to you guys is how many of you have lost the ability to think on a fire ground because you're overly concerned about disciplinary actions of policies? Because I know that's a real thing, I know it's not just me. If it is just me, then I guess I'm fucked up or I've been fucked up, but I know it's not just me because you see it countless and countless and countless of times where guys have been disciplinary action, they've been run off or they've quit the fire service or they've moved departments. People aren't aren't moving from departments of departments that they have fucking fun at. Departments where they enjoy and encourage doing the job. Guys aren't leaving those places. I'm sorry. It's not fucking happening. You can pay a fireman dog shit, and if he has fun doing the job, and he has a good brotherhood, and he has a good crew, <laughs> they're going to stay at that fucking place, even for dog shit money. They'll work 15 fucking part-times on an ambulance, or duty crew jobs, or cleaning swimming pools, or mowing fucking yards, because they have fun and enjoy the job. But if you make their fucking life miserable and they can't even leave the station without having to worry about disciplinary actions and getting fucking suspended, terminated, whatever the fuck, then they're not going to stay with you very long. That's just a, a fact. So when I look around and I see all these departments with a turnover rate issue, I have to say that you probably have some sort of issue there of guys enjoying the fucking job. And that could be that could be tenfold. It may not exactly be because of the policies. It may be because you have a fucking shit culture of a shit brotherhood. Because it's not the policies that dictate. It's your fucking brother-in-law bullshit that's dictating whether guys have fun. Whether guys enjoy the job. Because they either can't promote unless they're in the clique. Or because they get run on and they get treated like shit because they're not in the clique. All those different aspects. But bottom line... Firefighters that are enjoying their job and having fun aren't leaving you. They're not going other places. So that was just something that I, I, I realized this shift and I was like, damn, okay. Well, that's something that I needed to learn. It's something that I needed to realize. It's something that literally I'm fucking excited that my brain and my mind is shedding all that toxicity and all that bullshit from my past. It's exciting to me. It lets me know that um, I'm progressing. It lets me know that I'm healing on uh, flat ass what the trauma of that place was. And like I told my, my senior that during that conversation, I said, man, the only way I can explain, and I'm not taking anything away from, from true military service members whenever I say this. Just, just know that in my heart, I hold you all in a different place. 
However, I will truly describe one of my former departments that I worked at. The three years that I was there, it was truly like being on a fucking deployment. You showed up at the station. You ran your missions. You ran your calls. But you had to know that every fucking person that was not on your crew was out to fucking kill you. Whether they wore the same uniform as you or not. They were out to kill you in the sense that they were out to ruin your fucking career. They were out to ruin your family. They did not give a fuck. They were out to try to get you and play the got you game no matter what policy it is that they thought they could get you on, no matter what they thought they could catch you slipping and try to get you to say something about somebody and then they'd run back and tell that person or they would go tell the chief or whatever it it fucking was. Oh, well, fucking A-shift didn't wash the fucking truck. Well, fucking C-shift didn't take out the fucking trash. All that fucking shit, it was literally so toxic and so fucking negative that it literally was like being on a deployment where if you stepped outside the base, everyone was trying to fucking kill you. And I'll be totally honest with y'all. Myself and others that I'm still very close with this to this day will fucking tell you the safest place to work at that fucking fire department, the safest place to be during your shift tour was inside a fucking structure fire because all those fucking assholes that were out to get you didn't come in the fire. So guys, basically, my thing is, is all these chiefs or battalion chiefs all that shit that's out there, if they're causing your joy for the job to be stripped away through policies, through just the absolute toxic shit like I'm talking about, the the if you feel like and you if you I listened to a show earlier today on my way home from from the station, and you know I. I'm a big guy on listening to podcasts, and and one thing I really wish, uh, a show I wish you'd all go and follow, it's not firefighter related, anything like that, but y'all need to go listen to the Sean Ryan show. Uh, it's, a, it's a great podcast. The guests, it's, it's all guest-based shows. So Sean Ryan has people that come on there. Some of, it's all long format. Some of the shows may be three hours. Some of them may be five or six hours. It's everything from prior service members to scientists to politicians. to I mean, he has just all kinds of guests on. And, and I'm a huge fan of that show. I've been listening to it for years. I love being able to hear. Basically, to be quite frank, a lot of these guys that come on that show, either they're, they're not comfortable speaking with any other type of podcast platform and so this is one of the first shows that they feel comfortable talking to another prior service member sean ryan was a a former navy seal he also was a contractor uh for the cia and all that so guys that truly um have done real shit feel comfortable talk to him it's it's kind of like us firefighters we don't we don't like going and talking to some people i mean there's some deep-ass conversations that happen at the kitchen table. There's deep-ass conversations that happen on that truck bumper. You're not going to go sit in somebody's fucking office and have the same level of conversation. And that's basically the environment that he's able to create is giving that environment like the, the fire station kitchen table or that, that tailboard on that fire truck. And so guys really open up. And 
you know, one of the guys that was on on his most recent show was a um, a former Delta guy that was actually at the Battle of Mogadishu, which was um, you know the movie Black Hawk Down was based upon. Uh, we just, I believe, it was today or yesterday was the uh, 30th year anniversary for that. And so the guy came on and was talking, but he was he's done a lot of work in the veteran space for PTSD um, and just all of the anxiety, stress, uh, depression, suicide, all that shit that goes with that. And he talks about the different stages of PTSD. And, of course, I'm no expert at this shit at all whatsoever. I encourage all of you to go listen to that show because this dude, I mean, he's lived it and walked it and is out there literally with a with businesses and scientists and all this making a huge difference but one thing that really resonated with me that he was talking about is stage two ptsd most people here you know they think about the fucking nightmares and the seeing dead bodies and all that kind of just the the terrible horror stuff that's up front and in your face but one thing that he was talking about is like the stage two where you come home and yeah, you're great at being able to handle all of your operational capacity for, for those guys. Of course, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, all that. Their operational capacity is kicking ass and taking fucking names, right? Well, ours is fucking fighting fire, getting aggressive, handling shit. If it's medical calls and you're dealing with an unruly patient that's fucking combative, you fucking put them in their place you handle your shit, right? So we know how to handle that shit. Me personally, I've always called that work mode. I've always, like, I didn't realize that we had an actual scientific term and research that goes along with that shit, but apparently there is. In my mind, it was always work mode. And it took me, after I would be on, a, after a really hardcore shift or like a natural disaster like Hurricane Harvey or the Houston Tax Day floods, any of the major freezes, any of those major incidents that I've worked throughout my career, it took me days to get out of work mode when I got home. It should never take you days of being at home and when you're trying to enjoy your family, when you're trying to, you know, be involved and be present, especially like for me, to be a present dad, to be a present husband and all that, it should never take days to adjust from being at work and being in that operational capacity mindset or like I called work mode to be able to come home and let all that shit go and enjoy the time that you have with your family and kids. That should never be the case. And so for me, if you're creating an environment in which guys can't easily adjust from being at work to coming home and being themselves being husbands, being mothers, being wives, being a dad, just all that normal, normal life that all of us have, that is a major fucking problem. And I got to really thinking about that stuff when, whenever this guy was talking about all that. And he said specifically that one of the major signs and symptoms of that is when you're essentially creating an, a walking-on-eggshells environment 
for your significant other, for your children, because, okay, so for me, dad's home, but we don't want to piss him off. We can tell that he's still amped up. We can tell that he's still anxious. We can tell that he's here, but he's not really here. And obviously, that's a major issue, especially with guys uh, in the military that are deploying and going overseas and they come back home. And, you know, for the top tier guys, Navy SEALs, Delta, um, MARSOC, all that, or just special forces in general, any of the special operations guys, they're so wound up and they're, they're so fucking amped because they're mission focused and they have to be. They have to be for their job. They have to be to be able to handle what they got to go overseas and do. I mean, you can't go over there and fucking sing lullabies and, and cuddly teddy bear bullshit to a motherfucker that's trying to shoot you in the face. So for us in the fire department, it's the same type scenario in so many different ways. And for those of you that have listened to the show you know, for a while now, you'll understand I take a lot of my leadership lessons and I have always been a major student of history, military operations, uh, successful military leaders, that is that is something that I'm fascinated about. Uh, to pretty much to a default, I would say. I fucking hated taking English and science and that shit in school. Math, okay, I like math pretty good because it was challenging, but I loved history. I loved Texas history because that's, you know, that's mandatory down here. If you live in Texas, you got to know Texas history. We are like nowhere else. Texas history is badass. I mean, there's, I don't even know how many movies based upon the history of Texas and the Republic of Texas and the independence uh, of Texas and what it took before we ever even became part of the United States. So that's always fascinated me. Then the actual history of the United States itself, what we've done, the wars we fought in, all this stuff, and these major military leaders that led us to the successful present times that we have. These guys that, against all odds, they made it fucking work. Um, against just all types of horrible enemies that absolutely hated Americans. No matter what it was, they fucking hated Americans. We fought all over this damn world, and no matter what, people end up hating fucking Americans. You can dissected into all the different reasons that people hate Americans, and that's not necessarily what I'm getting into with this, but just know that through all of time, American military power has seemed to find a way against all odds to prevail. And that has always come down to successful leadership. So that's something I've been a student of. I wanted to know. I studied guys like Major Dick Winters from... Y'all go watch the show. It's on Netflix now. It's free. You don't have to have to fucking buy the shit. Band of Brothers. Phenomenal series. Uh, a, a pretty pretty accurate and pretty great depiction of what those guys went through during World War II. Uh, another, another great show that's on Netflix now. They just launched it. Uh, the Pacific that talks about 
uh, all the Marine Corps operations that happened in the Pacific against the Japanese. You can see all of these phenomenal leaders that some of them died during combat. Some of them, of course, lived and were able to go on and write their own stories. Uh, but for the ones that were that were killed during combat, guys wrote their stories for them when they got back home because they were so successful and they meant so much to their men that their story lived on through their men because they mattered. So that was something that I was always like, okay, I, I want to know what these guys did. I want to know how they were able to do these things. So I've studied that shit since I was young, very young. Um, my dad just, he raised me. I grew up watching John Wayne movies. John Wayne was a, a, a tall, broad man of impeccable character and uncompromising ethics and integrity. Bottom line. Uh, one thing about John Wayne that most people don't might not know is, um, you know, in every movie that he was in, the roles okay that he played during, say, the Civil War era, whenever he would play a cowboy that was during the Civil War, he was always in a, a Union uniform from the North because he believed in the United States. It's not that he had a problem with the Confederates. It was just that he wanted to paint a picture of unity and coming together. And if he was trying to portray a hero from the Confederate side, he thought that would create division. And so he that's not something that he did. He always wanted to paint a picture of unity across America and across the United States. That's what I was raised on. Watching and studying men like that throughout my entire life. Raised on westerns, raised on war movies. Bottom line, that's just how it was. That's what my dad watched. We had one TV in my house growing up, and that's just that was what was on the TV. So if I was going to be there, and my dad's rule kind of always was, uh, when it came to even rated R movies when I was at a young age, if it was a historically based movie or show, I was allowed to watch it, even though it may be rated R because it was real life and it's shit that really happened. So at a young age, I became fascinated with this stuff. So that's something I've taken throughout my entire life and even going into the fire service and even trying to uh, build my own leadership style. Those lessons that those guys learned throughout military history, Western history, all that is stuff that I took with me and it's who I am today. So these lessons and these things that I, I talk and I try to teach to y'all is shit that I've just brought in from, from every direction of successful leaders that I've read about, watched, uh, heard about, all that stuff, and I've just built, it, it's become who I am and the things that I believe in. And so these guys obviously knew what the fuck they were doing. So here we are in today's fire service, and the lessons that have been learned through bloodshed, sweat, and tears are not always being incorporated in today's fire service because we're more consumed with fucking policies that are based on opinions rather than historical, factual information. And that's where the lunacy comes in. That's where the things that completely destroy you uh, and, and cause you your anxiety and your inability to, to have a true understanding because you're sitting here trying to balance what you believe in and what is fun and what you believe the fire service is all about 
against someone's opinions and policies that have disciplinary disciplinary actions that can truly fucking hurt you. And that's something that I have tried to wrap my mind around for years that that's why we have guys that are on anti-anxiety medication, that are on antidepressants, that are on all these different things because the shit that they truly believe in and what they think the job is about and what they signed up to do is not what they're being spoon-fed when they're at the fucking station. So what are we really doing? What kind of fire service are we actually breeding? What kind of fire service are we wanting to create? Are we still in the mindset of being about taking care of your crew and the true brotherhood, not bumper stickers and bullshit? Are we still in the mindset of fucking kicking doors down and doing absolutely whatever it fucking takes to take care of the community members, whether it's sacrificing our own lives, risking injury, to make sure that we make that grab, to make sure that we make that save, to make sure that we make that fucking stop. Is that still the mission of the fire service? Or are we just worried about trying to fucking put check marks in boxes and follow policies and make ourselves look good on paper? That is the true division that we are looking at in today's fire service. 2023, that is the absolute division that's happening at every department across this country. And it's something that every single one of you need to look in the mirror and decide today which line are you willing to follow. Because I'm here to tell you from what I learned the other day, if you're going to follow that policy-driven, checkbox, resume-building, textbook-reading fucking bullshit, then you're going to lose the joy of the job. You're going to lose your ability to actually make true and sound operational decisions, no matter what rank you're at, because you have the overhead fucking bullshit of someone trying to fuck with your job, fuck with your future, and fuck with your family, and you won't be able to do the job the adequate way. That's just a bottom line fact. Now, you can pick and choose, you can cherry pick and understand that yes, if we're over here and we're on the, the true service end of the fire service, kicking doors down, putting fires out and saving people, that that comes with an inherent risks, that comes with an, an, you know, an absolute danger. And no matter what fucking policies you put in place, no matter what safety culture that you put in place, those dangers, if you're doing the job the way it has always been done... They will always be there. You will never be able to take away that fucking danger. If you're doing the job the right way, that danger is always there. It's just like military guys that deploy and go overseas that are in special operations and they're going in on a fucking Bin Laden raid. The danger of getting a fucking blown up by a suicide bomber or getting shot in the fucking face is always there. No matter what SOGs you have in place, no matter what fucking safety policies you have in place, no matter what disciplinary actions that you threaten to have in place, though if you're going to go do that mission to fucking capture or kill Osama bin Laden, you have to do the job the way it was intended to be done which is through 
tactical and operational success. If you go into a mission like that, and I'm using that for example because everybody knows about that mission. It's no fucking secret in today's society. Everybody knows that was a badass time in American history. I'm using that as an example because in my mind, this is the deal. If you work for a place that says in their policy handbook that if you come in and you're on your fucking helicopter and the policy handbook says that because in that raid they crashed a helicopter okay in that raid one helicopters came in and due to the the high walls it created um fuck i forget the the actual technical terms basically the uh, the rotors on the helicopter got fucked up because of the updraft that came from uh pushing down it wasn't able to get enough fresh air in to be able to make the rotors work the proper way forgive me i'm not a fucking scientist and it caused the helicopter to crash okay because inside the walls where there's not enough air movement the helicopter couldn't fly properly okay that's that's basically what happened they crashed all right the guys that crashed they got out they didn't say oh fuck we crashed a helicopter we are fucking fired we are fucking terminated we are fucking suspended we caused damage and that violates policy and that's our fucking job so what the fuck do we do now no That's not what the fuck they did. They jumped out of that motherfucker. They went on about their mission. They went and breached doors. They went and and handled cleared rooms, cleared buildings, went up there, shot Osama bin Laden in the fucking face. That is how you have a successful operational capacity. Shit fucking happens. You can have every fucking policy in the goddamn world. And the thing is, is if you listen to the stories and read the books about the guys that were on that fucking mission, those helicopters were not your run-of-the-mill fucking Blackhawks. They were prototype, highly expensive, insanely fucking cost and, and technology apparatus that was destroyed as fuck. Then they threw a fucking grenade or C4 or whatever it was to completely fucking demolish it so that the fucking Pakistanis couldn't get the technology out of it. And then they fucking rolled on and came back home. But at no point in those guys' mind did they have that overlooming, I'm going to get in fucking trouble mindset behind violating a, a policy. No. It was handle the fucking mission, get the shit done, we're here to do this, and we're going to fucking handle it. And that should be every mindset in every apparatus that rolls down that fucking street today. Your job is to make the emergencies, save lives, and save property. That is your fucking job. Not... Making sure all the fucking check marks and shit is handled for some chief that never even did the job that's trying to make himself look good by never having a wreck in the apparatus. Never having guys ride in the apparatus without their seatbelt on. Making sure that this policy is followed and that policy is followed and all this different shit. That's his job because that's all that he or she cares about is those check marks on what matters in their opinion to them. But in your mind, what is your fucking opinion and what matters to you is what the fucking community actually cares about. 
If you go in and you go to a fucking board meeting and every community member that's that pays taxes, that pays your salary, pays that chief salary, buys those trucks, buys all that fucking apparatus, buys all that equipment, buys your fucking shit paper for the station, if you put them up in a forum and you raise have them raise their hands on what the fuck they care about, are they going to give a fuck about this policy followed and that policy followed to make sure that this insurance check mark is done and this ISO rating shit is done and this chief's resume looks good check and done versus the house is on fire your baby's still inside your dogs are still inside your grandma's still inside we're going to fuck in and we're going to take care of your family and we're going to save their lives and we're going to make the best fucking fire attack that we can to save what's left of your house to our utmost ability and die trying ask those fucking community members what the fuck they give a shit about and if that's a question for you, then that's something that you need to sit down and think about and understand about this job. And for all you guys that are like me, that went through a time period where you started in this career and the shit was fun and the shit was kicking doors down and all you truly cared about was being badass operationally, badass tactically, putting the fires out, saving people's lives whenever it was fucking needed, and being the best at your job, and then you went to work for a place that beat that out of you and absolutely fucking destroyed your mind and your thought process and your love and your passion for the fucking job because of policies, safety culture, and someone else building their resume because they were willing to kill your career to make sure that their resume was fucking solid, then you need to do exactly what I did and take a good hard look in the mirror and understand that that is not what the fire service is all about. That is not what we are here to do for the taxpayers and the community. It's just not. And when the day comes, you make that decision like I did. And so many of these listeners on this show that send me messages have done that have made career moves or made promotions where they can make a fucking difference. When you have that epiphany that I had yesterday, you will be so relieved and have so much fun. The smile will come back on your face. You will have joy in the fucking job again. It will be fucking exciting when you make that fire and you hear them say, hey, we got one working. And you're going to be like, fuck yes. Here we go. It's time to do the job. It's time to have fucking fun again. And even though you fucking work and you're sweaty and you're fucking nasty and you still got to load all that goddamn hose back up and all that shit, you come back to the station and it was fucking fun. You're laughing. You're joking. You're busting each other's balls. You're talking shit. Guys, we made that fucking that shit at the hotel, which, I mean, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't anything to it. But we're sitting there. We got two ladder trucks sitting there. Both pumpers sitting there. And then one of our mutual aid tankers was there. Guys, we were fucking cutting up. We were having fun. There was none of this. Oh, oh, y'all, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Oh, you're violating policy. Oh, 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 oh. And just all the fucking terrible shit that so many guys deal with, where you can't have that fun. You're sitting there talking shit. You're sitting there, hey, we fucking beat y'all in, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, y'all didn't do shit. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And everybody's laughing and having fun. That is the fire department that it was supposed to be. That's the fire department that I came into. And that is what we are supposed to be doing, guys. That is all. That's 100% it. If you don't have that, just know that you're not at the right fucking place. If you don't have that, then your leadership is dog shit. 
It's supposed to be that way, guys. It is supposed to be that way. You go talk to any old retired guy, they're going to say they had a blast. It was the best job ever. Do you think guys that serve in a job and do a job for 30 years would say it's the best job ever if they were fucking miserable and it took them, every time they came home, took them two or three days to adjust to even love on their wife and kids? Fuck no. They would say, I'm stuck in this shit because I don't have anything else to do. I'm stuck in this shit because I was too old to go start over. Or I'm halfway to getting my pension, so I stuck it out to get my pension. They would never say, man, I miss being in that station. I miss the guys. I miss the truck. I miss making the runs. Guys, we got fucking 70-year-old men out here that I promise you if they were fucking still 20 years old, they would be doing it today. If they would could do anything, they would come back and, and ride a truck with any of us. Because they had fun. They didn't have to deal with the shit we're having to deal with because this is a our time, our generation fucking problem of terrible fucking leaders. They didn't have to deal with that shit. This is our problem. So we got to fucking fight it. We have to fucking fix it. That's what the Third Alarm Cowboys are doing. I'm telling y'all straight the fuck up how I feel about this shit. I'm telling y'all straight the fuck up exactly what I've been through, exactly what the fuck I've had to make step to step to step, bad decision to good decision to bad decision to good decision throughout my entire fucking career, pains, joys. I'm giving all this shit to y'all so that you know exactly you can learn from me and you know exactly how we're, the direction we're supposed to be headed as a fucking fire service. I came in under badass fucking dudes that had fun and it was good. I made some poor fucking decisions, chasing a dream, chasing rank, chasing fucking money. You name it, I did it. I made bad decisions, following empty promises. That was the main thing. I followed empty fucking promises for motherfuckers that needed me for my damn experience and my operational ability to be able to have some credibility to pad their own shit. Then whenever they got... Oh, well, we got all this, this, and this, and they made all their check marks. Now I'm the fucking problem child, and they fucking hated me. So now, here I am, 15 years later, starting to fuck over, but I'm actually getting the joy, and I'm actually getting the brotherhood, and I'm actually getting the fire service that I came into, that I wanted and I craved since I was a very young fucking child. My first or second birthday party was a firefighter birthday party. That's all I've ever wanted to do. It's... It is literally the dream job for me. And I let somebody rob me of that fucking shit. But I'm here to tell y'all, y'all don't have to fucking do that. You don't have to let somebody rob you of that. You don't have to walk on fucking eggshells and not be able to understand that when you're at work, you're at work. And when you're at home, you enjoy every fucking minute of being at home. Because guess what, guys? If you're doing the job the right way and you're willing to sacrifice and you're willing to fucking do... Everything that needs to be done to take, take care of your fucking community, you may not fucking come home again. That's the fucking reality. Policies, SOGs, safety culture, all that bullshit. If you're doing the job the right fucking ways, you may never walk into your front fucking door again. So you need to enjoy that time that you have today. Because if you don't, you will, your family will always fucking regret it. 
You will regret it no matter which direction you go, whatever fucking whatever you believe in, whether you just believe you're going in the ground. That's something you'll never fucking get back. So if you come home and you're on eggshells and you waste those days off because you're on fucking eggshells like I did because of the fucking place that you work, that is a fucking problem, guys, and you'll never get that time back, ever. So just know, learn from me. Learn from my mistakes, learn from how I feel, and try to do better than I did. Okay? That's all I'm asking of y'all. That's all I've got for y'all tonight, guys. I'm going to leave y'all with uh, just a little explanation. Something that's really important for this show. Guys, I know that uh, we have some new sponsors on the show. I'm extremely excited about having these sponsors. Something that I want all of you to understand. I can't do this just... I'm not gonna like I've told y'all before. I'm not gonna run up my credit cards and run into a bunch of debt. It requires me to make the sales uh, of our products, whether it's the um, you know shirts, t-shirts, all that stuff. That all of those things are are what allow me to do this show. Bottom line, that's that's 100 what it is. The uh, the sponsor of this show. I could not be more proud to have the guys that I do that are willing to align with me on this podcast and are willing to, you know, put their companies in alignment with what we're doing. And one of our biggest sponsors, uh, our newest sponsors, is First Form. That is a huge deal to me. That's something that uh, I, to this day, I'm, it's been a couple of weeks now since I talked to them and and uh, we arranged everything. That's something that it still blows me away to think that a company of that caliber um, and that size, everything, is willing to align with just little old me from, from Deep East Texas. So, guys, show them some love and show me some love. Go and follow our links. If you, if you like to work out, if your health and all the different aspects when it comes to working out or general wellness is something that you are passionate about. If you're a guy like me that wants high-quality proteins, if you want uh, products that truly work and truly have good quality to them, that they're American-made, sourced from the farm to the canister that is sent to you in is all American-made, pro-American, then that is the company that you need to be purchasing your products from. Time and time again, I've been in the supplement space for over 10 years, guys. So many of them, they cut corners, they don't take care of business, and that is just not what First Form is about. That is one of the main things that drew me to them, their pro-American stance, their support of first responders, and just everything about the company. Their owner, Andy Frisella, he had the number one entrepreneur and business podcast for over six years. It was the MFCEO project. Y'all go listen to that. But his his latest podcast, which he kind of transitioned into, handles real life um, cultural issues nationwide and worldwide, whether it's politics, whether it's business, all the different aspects that we deal with as a country, he covers on this show. It's called The Real AF. 
Y'all go listen to that podcast. Being aligned with someone like him that is a true leader, true American, true fucking patriot that gives a shit about the little guy. Somebody that grew up just like me, living on a dirt road, in the country, grew up with nothing, and has now built over a billion dollar company by taking care of customers and actually giving a shit that who who's uh, that is who owns that company. So for me to be aligned with somebody, he doesn't have all the investors. He doesn't have all the fucking bank bullshit and all the ESG shit and all the stuff that's going on with every other major corporation in the world right now, where they're ruled and controlled by just terrible politics and terrible just rules. He doesn't have to deal with all that. He believes in what he believes in. He believes in the American dream, and that's what he talks about. So the fact that 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 company is willing to align with the Third Alarm Cowboys and help me out to help this show keep going, that means the world to me. And guys, if you know if if you're looking for supplements of any kind, I mean they there's so many. I've talked about a few on this show. I'm not going to get into it on this show because there's just so many things that they have to offer that will help you out. Even if it's just the smallest thing like a testosterone booster or you just want some some greens to help your digestive system. They have all that stuff. So y'all go check that out. I will link it in the show or in the um in the in the explanation for this show, in the post for this show, I will link it. Y'all go check that out. Do me a solid and do them a solid. Give, give their products, uh, give their products a go. Bottom line, um, I'll give you know a little bit more education on the next show on, on another product that I like to use. That's that's really what I want to do is just kind of explain to y'all on what I use and why I use it and how it works for me. And if that's something that y'all are interested in, then y'all give it a try. Absolutely. Uh, one of the guys I worked with, he tried out one of the proteins uh, this shift, and he's like, damn, that tastes really fucking good. So, you know, it's just little things like that uh, that really the sponsors of this show, they make a tremendous difference for me to be able to do this. It helps me buy the equipment. It's helping me advance the show. And it's also helping me advance the Third Alarm Cowboys as a business. We got some big things coming out like I've told y'all. And that is where all a lot of that ability comes from. Um, guys, November 18th, Houston, Texas. Captain R.J. Nepp is coming home. He's going to have his first fight out of a six-fight deal. He signed a contract. Everything's ready to roll. Badass venue in Houston. RJ has tickets available. He just got them in the other day. I made a post about it. Guys, if you're coming or you're interested, you need to message either me or RJ. Go ahead and get your name on these tickets. We'll figure out exactly what we need to do. But, guys, it's selling out quick. We have got to get out and represent for RJ. We got to fucking show everybody that's going to be there. Big names, uh, possibly, you know, some fucking TV type people might be there. Um, just giving away a little fucking hint. This is a big damn deal, guys. So, firefighters all over the Houston area, anywhere around Texas. You want to come watch a badass show? RJ said there's going to be three title fights that night. Big fucking deal. Y'all come out. Y'all represent. The tickets are really not expensive, guys. Uh, fucking table, ringside tables, like 300 bucks. Second row tables, private tables is 200 bucks. General admissions, $45. You're going to get to watch a badass show. Several fights. I think RJ said eight or nine fights, I think is what he said. Um, that's that's a badass deal, plus everything that comes along with it. We will be there. I will be there ringside. 
Y'all come see me if you're there. Um, if you already have a Condemned Saints shirt, a TAC Fight Team shirt, rep that shit. Wear it. Uh, we got some other big things in the works with that night that I'm working on getting arranged and making sure it happens. So there will be some cool shit for firefighters that night. Y'all come let me know you're there. I said on the last show, one of the things that I want to do is everybody that's there to rep RJ, y'all come let me know that you're there. And more than likely after all the fights are done uh, or sometime whenever we can do it, maybe intermission or whatever, I got to figure out that exactly from the promoter. We could take a fucking big-ass group photo with all the fucking firefighters that are there to rep him. That would be badass and that would be cool. But just know, RJ's there to fight, guys. He's there to put on a hell of a fucking show. He's coming for blood. He's coming for a fucking knockout. His last fight, first round, minute and a half knockout, guys, against a dude that's fucking taller than me. He ain't bullshitting. This is not going to be just playing around. He is coming hard. He's here to make a name for himself. He's here to really establish himself in the professional boxing world, and he's going to do it. This is the first fight of six, and he's coming fucking hard. I'm here to tell y'all, he's going to fucking do a huge job right out the fucking gate so that these next five fights after that, motherfuckers are scared to fight him. I know RJ. I know that's how he is. He's a quiet guy, but he lets his actions dictate on uh, exactly what the fuck he wants to do and exactly the kind of reputation that he has. So, guys, November 18th, Houston, Texas. Look it up on Facebook. Go to our website, thirdalarmcowboys.com. I have it under his schedule, uh, or I posted his schedule on there. Y'all get your hats ordered, get your shirts ordered, rep our shit whenever you come. Thank you to everybody that's already ordered everything you know, from us over the last six months. It's because of you that this show is possible. Bottom line. That's it. So, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Damn.